0: Should we just wing it?
1: I mean, we did that for like the first 30 episodes. It That's true. And it worked out well. <laughs> it seems to be
0: working. <laughs> hey everyone, and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. I'm one of your hosts. and I'm joined by the good doctor, Scott Melson. Hello, sir what's up man happy friday to you happy friday how was your week been you know just uh surviving another week here in the laboratory of democracy <laughs> scott and i since about seven thirty this morning have been tweeting or uh, <laughs> texting about existential crises um shout out to uh effie craven for also joining us on that conversation um it's a new month, and apparently we've lost all hope with the way that the world should work. <laughs> the annual descent into nihilism. Uh, Indeed. Before, before I
1: was going to say before the start of the legislative session. However, for those of you who follow uh, uh, Sean uh, from Sean Ashley from E Capital, which if you don't, yes. you should. Yes. Uh, Sean correctly pointed out this morning that on Monday, the session does not begin. It resumes. That's right, because it's an odd-numbered year. Session actually began four weeks ago when uh, the governor was sworn in, when the uh, House and Senate leadership were sworn in, and they passed a resolution uh, for the rules of the, se- the rules of really? the House
0: organizational day.
1: Yeah, though so that was technically the first day of session. Right. So session resumes Monday. It does not begin.
0: Indeed. Well, um, Crystal Yosef could not be with us today, also due to existential dread, I believe. So our thoughts and prayers are with Crystal while she's at home. Thanks, Crystal. <laughs> um, so today we're going to talk about agendas. Um, we don't – oh, well, first, let's uh, – we don't – I'm going to do news. The funny thing about this is we don't actually have any news articles today. I, we, we do want to play a bit yes. of an homage to uh, some of our dear news friends who are leaving us. How do I Catherine Sweeney and Justin and and her are all leaving the state of Oklahoma? Catherine is moving to Washington DC to work for Congresswoman Kendra Horn. Justin and Meg are moving to Denver. I think Justin's got a job with the Denver Free Press. Perhaps, yes, I believe. Indeed. Joe Wirtz also from yep. State Impact is yep. I don't know that he's leaving the state though. I yeah. think he's just got a new gig. Yeah. I'll see him tomorrow and find out.
1: So uh, the news roundup may be a little, maybe a little scarce for a couple weeks until <laughs> until these shoes get filled. No, we have a, uh, we uh, we wish we wish the best to Justin and Meg and Catherine on all their new endeavors, and uh, thank them for their
0: service to the state of Oklahoma and to all of us. Indeed, keeping us informed. Scott, when we started this podcast last year, year before last, did you think that we would ever work in a boys to Men? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had hope. I wanted it I wanted it to happen <laughs> uh, I'm guarantee none of those folks even listen to us maybe they will now yeah maybe so let's talk about uh, agendas right so Scott this is something I didn't even really I don't know that I even really realized what a legislative agenda was aside from like well these people have an agenda it's a hidden agenda
1: right like it's it's something that unless you're unless unless you pay pretty close attention, to this process, you you wouldn't have any idea what it's for, well, or I, what you what people do with it.
0: It's true, but I feel like this year everybody has an agenda, including us. It's true, right? Um, in fact, uh, I'll start on that note. If you missed our announcement earlier this week um, on mm, Tuesday, Wednesday, what day was, <laughs> Wednesday. It? was it Wednesday? Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> um, if you go to let'sfixthisok.org/slash legislative agenda. Uh, sorry, legislative dash agenda. Actually, just go to the website. Let's fix At The very top there's a bar. Click the button that says yeah. legislative agenda in giant or, letters. In giant.
1: Also, note the new website. Andrew spent a lot of time and effort uh, revamping the site. It's beautiful. It I I have to say, I think I texted you this, but I can't remember if I did specifically or not. It um, its mobile functionality is outstanding. Like it pops up on my. It's glorious oh good that's on my
0: phone i mean like most people most folks uh view our website on mobile in fact i actually reordered the menu today so it would be a little easier on on the mobile devices it does uh, does very well so
1: thank you for that and please check out the site
0: yeah so um yeah check it out we try to make it a little easier everything is still there um tucked away in its spots uh you can listen to the podcast on the website you can read our blog and we're trying to do more blog posts in fact
1: indeed well, so before we get too sidetracked, legislative agenda, mm-hmm. everyone has one. We have one. Mm-hmm. Can you talk briefly about what a legislative agenda is and why you felt like it was a good idea for us to have one
0: this year? Right. So, I, I mean, I made a recommendation to the board and you guys ratified that, so... We did. Hats off to you. Um, I... So I really didn't have any idea. I thought about this um, because a few groups, I know, okay, policy kind of announced theirs at the budget summit last week, and uh, I, you know, two other groups have talked about their agendas. And uh, through talking to a lot of people, um, those who work in politics and those who don't, um, everyone's like, "Well, what do you guys like advocate for?" I'm like, well, we advocate for people being involved, mostly, like, regardless of issues, and we've tried hard to not really get into issues. With the exception of things like election reform, which is the basis of our agenda. And so I think, like any agenda, um, an agenda for a meeting kind of tells you what you're gonna be talking about in that meeting. An agenda for a legislative session tells you what that organization or group or person is gonna be talking about during that session, right? Totally. It's kind of a, a map for what's ahead.
1: Yeah, it's a way for it's a way for different groups, including members of the legislature and different caucuses, to kind of lay out here's where our this is what our priorities are, this is what what we want to see happen. Mm-hmm. Um and I think for those of us who one watch this out of interest and two because you know it affects our everyday lives, it kind of lets us see all right, what are the what are potential like battlegrounds, what are potential things that may get done? What's what is it kind of it'll help us kind of see like what what session gonna look like like a preview if you will
0: yeah I mean like a table of contents
1: if if and a roadmap if the legislative session is a football game this would be no that's a bad example
0: a playbook mm, no, mm, no no
1: no uh, yeah a table a of mi- contents a is probably menu? best well or
0: like a. Like a program. Like a uh, like you a, know? a bulletin at church. Y- yeah, but I was trying to stay away from that. <laughs> that's It's so Oklahoma. Everyone understands. Well, probably. Most folks have gone to church at some point, and they received some kind of piece of paper there, told them what to expect. Right. So what is, on,
1: what is on our legislative
0: agenda? On ours, uh, so it's mostly things about education. No, excuse me, not education. Nothing about that at all. About ed- election reform. Uh, so things like to, to make voting easier and more accessible to more people um because we believe that voting shouldn't be hard. Uh so automatic voter registration, meaning that everyone gets registered automatically like when you get a driver's license or when you turn 18, um same day registration, so if you weren't registered already like you just moved here and you went to the polls to vote, you could still register then and just cast a provisional ballot. Um expanded early voting times like more days early voting. Um expanded, uh, or excuse me, consolidated election days. Right now there's an election like every month somewhere in the state and it's hard to keep track. Uh, and so what if we just had it like maybe once a quarter and all the elections in the state fall on that, on that day, uh, elimination of straight party voting so that if you want to vote for everyone from one party, you have to just check all the boxes for each person. You can't just check one box at the top. Um, both because it is, Maybe not the way to do it, and also because for some folks that's confusing. They think that you check the box at the top according to which party you are, and that's not the way it works. Uh, open primaries, which would allow everybody, regardless of your party affiliation, to, um, to vote in every election. That would be a big deal. Uh, independent redistricting, which would take the power of drawing legislative and congressional districts out of the parties and put it into the hands of an independent redistricting commission. Uh, and then one that's kind of not related directly to elections, but is one that uh, we've talked about for a while and certainly pertains to me and my other hats as uh, Director of Freedom of Information, Oklahoma, and that is to force the legislature to be subject to the open records law, um, which they exempted themselves from.
1: yeah, you guys you guys heard that right. So uh,
0: when they passed open records, the legislature said, for everybody but us. The governor, yes. Everyone else, Department no. of Department of uh, no. of Human Services, yes. Health,
1: yes. Us, no. Well, and you know when you when you came to us, when you came to to, to the brought to, brought us to the board as saying, "Hey, we think we want to have you know I think I think it'd be good for us to do this," and kind of laid out what you were thinking. Um, I believe we passed this unanimously because we all felt like these were issues that um, one are nonpartisan and issues that could draw support from uh, a variety of, of corners, but two, more importantly, all things that would, are really kind of fundamental, right? Like these are kind of fundamental changes that allow our democracy to work better, that should allow more people to participate in our government, which is really what we're all about here of Let's Fix This. So these, these were things that we felt like, you know, there are, there are things that maybe more Democrats would be behind than Republicans. There are some that more Republicans would be behind than Democrats, but these are things that should draw we hope, a pretty wide swath of support, especially from the public, if not from the legislators themselves, at least not initially. But you know how you get legislators to support stuff? You show them a lot of people in the public support it already, and that makes it a lot easier. There is already some... You know, we have some hope that some of these are issues that may get addressed this session. So several of these issues, automatic voter registration has a House bill this year under consideration, House Bill 2087, uh, elimination of straight party voting. There's three bills, I think, that are dealing with that, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, SB 51, House Bill 1919, House Bill 2427. There's two bills that deal um, indirectly with... uh, uh, independent redistricting or not independent redistricting uh, open primaries open primaries mm-hmm. and then there's a uh, house joint resolution for uh, independent redistricting um, Andy looking at these bills what's the like what's the kind of are these are these all partisan bills that they are they bipartisan do we have people from across the across the spectrum or
0: who's running these um, I will be honest I am only 87 percent certain on this um, but I I will say, I think that's a very specific number. Well, you know, <laughs> I dabble in the mathematicians. Um, I think uh, all but one are run by Democrats this session. I think the other one, one of them is run by Republican, and, and I, I don't remember which one it is, but I can find out while we talk.
1: Yeah, but um, so these are all bills that are gonna that are gonna come up, and we'll see if they can attract some support. So not only do we have a legislative agenda this year, but we have a legislative agenda that. Um, at least some of the, at least some of our goals um, are already being talked about. So well, that's that's a good place to be. I think.
0: I agree, and I will say on the to answer your question about with whether these are partisan issues or not, <laughs> these are issues that tend to be partisan um, for whichever party is not currently in power. Right. Yes. And so the fact that Democrats are running most of these is likely reflective, at least in part, because they are the party that is not in power. Totally, um, and they would like to try to balance it a little bit more. I think if I, I would, I almost guarantee Scott that if the, if things were reversed, if it was like it was uh, fifteen for, years ago, right? right, and for the, for the previous ninety years, basically, if the Democrats were in power, Republicans would be running these bills. In fact, if we went back in history, I bet I may do this research. I would wager that the Republicans have run these bills in the past. Oh, that'd be super interesting because these are, these are issues that make things more fair. And if you're in power, you probably want to stay in power. Yeah. No, I think that's sadly think that's a good it's the point. way politics work. Not because it's the right thing to do, but that's because that's the way it works. Um, so I'm looking through. I'll have to get back to you on these. There's so many new people. I don't know the party affiliation of some of these folks yet.
1: Dude, it's crazy. So we're there was a, a I think it was Oklahoma Watch, maybe, um,
0: posted a graphic. Yes. The elimination of straight party voting. House Bill nineteen nineteen is run by Republican Representative Daryl Fincher, freshman. I assume I've never seen his <laughs> name before. I don't know, I don't know his
1: name. Um, uh, no, that's it's really striking. We've talked at length here about how many new members new members there are going to be this session. Um, was it Oklahoma Watch that published that graphic? We I were thought it was at, Tulsa World. It was in the Tulsa World. Maybe they maybe they came up with the graphic, but uh, uh, there was a graphic of. Uh, they looked at all the seats in the house by like just like each seat as a square and then they filled in the freshman and it's like half. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's just, you know, and you hear the numbers, but you look at it and it's just like striking how many, how many new faces there are going to be and how many people that don't have, have maybe never had exposure to kind of the legislative process in this way before. It's going to make for some interesting, there's going to be some interesting floor votes. Mm-hmm. I wanna, and I, I suspect I'm going to wager,
0: what do you think the over under is on a uh, points of order? Oh, fewer, <laughs> I, I would guess fewer than normal because, because they don't know the rules. They don't know that you can do that. Um, some of these folks, I do think that, um, I'm looking forward to some of the floor debates um, to find out who are the ones that are, uh, the most outspoken, right? So, uh, Scott Inman is no longer in the legislature. Um, some of the, the folks that have been very vocal, uh, John Bennett is not there, right? Um, Oh, man. And so some of the folks that have been, like, the real vocal uh, fire breathers up there aren't there. And so what is what are debates going to be like? Is someone going to take their spots? Like, I'm going to miss John Bennett getting up
1: and, like, reading the chain emails that he would use for, for speeches. Mm, you know, like, mm-hmm. those emails that, like, you know, the ones that say, like, forward, 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 like, <laughs> seven times, and it's like, you know, so-and-so was actually... Uh, you know, like Nazi sympathizer and you know, like this
0: conspiracy. I don't theory. receive these emails, Scott. Oh. I'm unfamiliar. I'm, I'm you've sorry. You've never
1: gotten like, you've never gotten the conspiracy theory, the cons- the conspiracy theory, like crazy uncle email.
0: I uh, no, never? never. No, I don't have any uncles. I had one oh. and he, he died several years ago. Sorry. And my grandma doesn't forward me those emails. She does forward me once about smiles and rainbows and that kind of stuff. So um, beyond our agenda, Scott, uh, most other groups, and and I think we've kind of heard from even, let's say, the four contingents in the legislature, right? So House and Senate, Republicans and Democrats in each group, uh, I think they have all kind of formally or informally announced their agenda as well. Um, Most notably, I think, was the Senate Republicans, because it was on paper and it's only four points. It's on paper, and it's astonishingly and refreshingly short. Indeed. This is not the uh, kind of pontif- pontificating press release. Um, what do we have? Like last year, there was a, a, a press conference every day, right, from right, both right. sides and all that. So right. um, so what we saw is uh, a four-point agenda for the Senate GOP. Basically, they want to create a legislative budget office, which would be a, like the Congressional Budget Office, a nonpartisan group that is dedicated to reviewing the fiscal impact of bills currently there's only three people for both chambers that are uh, three people for each chamber that review the fiscal impact of all the bills um that doesn't seem like very many no because there's 2800 bills so tough to get that done um and then uh they also want to allow the governor to hire and fire state agency heads which we've heard senator Treat filed these bills himself um and then one about health, or education and then one about criminal justice reform. For education, I, I have the quote here. They said, they want to honor and protect the $2.9 billion investment in our students and teachers. And we will restore five-day school weeks, providing for reasonable exemptions to enhance student outcomes and repair Oklahoma's national reputation. Which, like, we've got a scarlet letter on our sweater. We're going to have to just like dissect that whole mm-hmm. situation there but it says we're gonna we're gonna defend what we did last year but what has been noted is it does not say increase anything right Improve. it just says we're gonna keep it where it's at so I think the single best comment on this came from uh, dr. David
1: Blatt of the Oklahoma Policy Institute who tweeted this out and said I should take notes here uh, this year for my wife's birthday rather than getting her any new presents I'm simply gonna honor and protect the presents I got her last year <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's pretty it's like
1: it's pretty witty touche touche sir
0: uh and then the last one about criminal justice reform is to improve and uh, excuse me improve access to and Im- provide funding for diversion programs to further criminal justice reform yes. so that's very specific and also does not address um like 780 making that retroactive something we've heard a lot about as well so i think i've kind of broken this down um their agenda as well as others we've heard about so again the the associated press had their like legislative forum day there was another one that somebody else had some other press related thing um the oklahoma city chamber had theirs um this week um, where they released their policy guide which is a thick thick book we haven't seen
1: a like formal agenda from either house caucus right or from senate dems not not officially but they've i mean like the members have been out talking and and they've know, been saying well leader, origin agenda this year blah, blah 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 leader virgin has talked a lot about what she and then the house dems what they're kind of working towards so there's definitely been some discussion but this is the this is the first one that we've like seen in terms of a like four-point plan right? i mean it was
0: just a sheet of paper that right. they passed out at a press conference right but, but not even on like makes it super easy well, and they... The, I'll say the Senate GOP actually put out a press release because I pulled this from there. I went to the website and found the press release. But I looked at the others and there's nothing. And I would think like, why wouldn't you at least put it out there, right? Like put it on some letterhead. Um, The House Dim, like, uh pack has a website. They don't... Yeah. There's no policy of anything on there. No I comment. Thought that, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> no comment. Um, and so... um, And I do have... I think I have an observation here that I've not shared with you yet. So I usually we have our policy discussions off the air and then we get here to record and we've got to fake it again. This one we haven't had yet and I look forward to this arousing discussion. Yes, absolutely. Crystal will be sad she missed out. Um, but I think in, in kind of three groups, we've got uh, policy areas of broad agreement, areas of some agreement, and then areas of little or no agreement. Um, and this is, I would think, between the parties and uh, certainly between the chambers as well. Um, So, but areas of broad agreement, I'll start. I think criminal justice reform is going to be an area of broad agreement.
1: I agree. I think that there is... Yes, I think that Dems want it. I think ours want it. The governor has made very clear that he wants it. Governor Stitt has made a big push this week, especially talking about uh, changing the way that DAs offices are and courts are funded. So right now, district attorney offices and courts are largely funded off of fines and fees, mm-hmm. um, like half their money. Right, which creates obviously like, and this is not to cast aspersions on anyone, but this is this creates a fairly perverse incentive, right? Like, so you might be tempted to levy a harsher fine. You might be tempted to, you know push that charge higher. You know, it's you're incentivized. You're incentivized to convict and charge more people so that you can raise more money because that's how you keep your office open. So the governor really wants to see a push to have these uh these offices funded out of general appropriations rather than from fines and fees. So we may see, I don't know, I don't know how much money that takes, but we may see a push for some of that, you know, 400 ish million dollars that we have uh, just laying around this year um, to go towards funding criminal justice reform in that way. There's also some bipartisan agreement, a bill we discussed last week briefly from representative Eccles, uh, majority leader Eccles and representative Dunnington that would make state questions 780 retroactive. Um, so this is uh, this uh, changed the, this changed the level of, the level of offense, criminality, uh, yeah, uh, for um, certain substance abuse, not substance abuse, certain uh, possession possession uh, crimes, notably that related to marijuana, I believe, change from a felony to misdemeanor, mm-hmm. and so this would allow folks that were convicted of felonies under the previous law to have their sentence, you know, have that crime reduced and then potentially get out of prison, right? Which yes, would be helpful since we currently incarcerate more people than the rest of the world <laughs> right yeah so we are so, number one in the world in incarceration
0: right i also have heard obviously senate gop because we just mentioned it and i feel like someone else it's probably the house gop um that has talked about establishing a legislative budget office right yes um has okay policy talked about this as well i don't think so i don't think they're like anti
1: but i don't think this was one of their major one of their major agenda. Well, it's probably not something
0: that they are championing, but not something they would be opposed to either. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's accurate. And so here's, um, here's what I'll say. This is kind of getting ahead of myself, but I feel like this year we have a ton of policy things that are being discussed right now. Um, that people are on board with like both sides. Right. Yeah. And so like for one side to be like, we are, Supporting a legislative budget office. This is our on our policy. It it eliminates the other side from saying the same thing, like with the same fervor, right? Like right. because it's weird. And I don't think both parties are ready for like um, I don't think the public or maybe some of the parties are not ready for both sides to be like, Woo, we're all championing the same things. Right. Because then how do you differentiate yourselves? Right. No, I think there's
1: I think there's some of that. And I also I'm just curious. what do you think about the legislative budget office? Like what's how do how do you what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think we need some uh smart money people to actually take a look at how these things are spent. Ooh, this reminds me. Do you know what I learned um this week is that when they calculate fiscal impact of bills, it's only for this year. They do not do any projections looking forward. That seems dumb. It's it's hugely myopic, right? So like let's say there's uh, a tax credit that we're going to put in place and it's uh and it's going to cost the state 500 million dollars this year yeah but in 10 years it'll save us 10 billion right like by something i'm just using giant round numbers that's not included when they provide the fiscal impact statement. so at the time that we debate bills on the floor it looks like it costs a bunch of money even though it's going to save in the long run all term. they say, and they can be like well it's going to save money in the long run they're like well we don't know that well and the reverse is true right so here's the issue that i
1: have with having a legislative budget office i'm all for it if they're going to listen to them right oh, like that's if they yeah. i mean if you're going to create it then it should all, if you're going to create it then it should also be like enshrined in statute that i mean i don't know how you would do this but you can't say that they're wrong or you can't say like oh no we think that they're like if you're gonna say like let's say that there was a measure that the legislature was trying to pass that they wanted to not have it subject to state question 640 so they say it's not a revenue raising measure because it's not or what you know Mm -hmm. and then they look at the budget impact and it clearly raises a whole bunch of money Mm -hmm. it's clearly a revenue raising measure like they should have to abide by that like do you see what i'm saying yeah yeah i mean like and and the the example, the best example I can give, and it's kind of the opposite of what you were saying, is so the tax cut bill that was passed oh, yeah. you know yeah. recently. So yeah. so what happens is there's like, oh no, this tax cut, like and this was a this was a, a very partisan bill, but the the Congressional Budget Office this is at the federal level, the Congressional Budget Office said this tax bill is going to cost literally trillions <laughs> dollar, yeah. of dollars and the majority party in Congress said, Well, we think that's wrong because they're Estimates of growth are not robust enough, and the economy is going to grow so much; it's going to pay for itself. And we're here, you know, a year and a half later, and it's costing it's trillions costing of doll- trillions of right. dollars. Yeah. And so, if they're going to create this, there should also be a mechanism in the law where the legislature has to listen. They yeah. can't they can't create it, and then when the when they come back and say that some tax cut is going to be terrible because it costs so much money and it's going to create budget problems, they can't be like, oh well. No, they're wrong. So right, we're gonna do it anyway.
0: But I think it. I don't know that I would support saying they have to because there's going to be some kind of like variance there. I mean, the difference between like, well, it's going to cost fifty-seven million and it only costs fifty-six. You know, sure, it's different than like trillions of dollars. Right. Well, Well, but it's
1: different. But you can't come. You shouldn't be able to come out and say, "Oh no, actually, the opposite of what they said is true," because politically, that's what we have to say in order for there to be support for this.
0: Well, yeah, but. Uh, politicians lie right but we shouldn't make it easier (laughs) that's fair i mean i think a better example for what i was trying to say about this short-sightedness of not doing projections is that it's like if you if you adhere to this with your car maintenance you would never get an oil change because you're like oh it's spending 50 bucks to get an oil change that's i gotta spend 50 bucks now and i don't have the money or it's i don't want to spend it Knowing that, like in the long run, if you don't, it's going to cost you thousands for a new engine, right? Like it's without some right. kind of foresight, right? You're, you're gonna it's you're gonna make bad choices. So I hope that they change that at least. Um, some areas of general agreement or some agreement. Um, education seems to be an area where we hear lots of buzz from both sides, right? Like everyone wants to do something with education what that something is seems to vary dependent on party.
1: Yes. So, you know, the, the Senate said we want to honor and protect the $2.9 billion investment in our students and our teachers. Um, so basically that's their way of saying we are not going to cut anything further. Like our plan right. is not to cut anything else. Explicitly not saying that they're going to give any more money to education. Right. Um, which is interesting Because the governor has called for another teacher pay raise. Um, Speaker McCall, I believe in his legislative priorities, Mm -hmm. also laid out that he wants to see another teacher pay raise, which is great. And I hope that teachers, I think we should pay them as much as we can possibly afford to. They deserve to make well what they're making even now. But it's interesting to me because I had a teacher in my office this week who I saw as a patient who said to me, you know, they're talking about giving us another raise, which doesn't mean it's great. I'll take the money, but we don't need more races. We need money in the classrooms." Right. Right, which I'm, they keep
0: saying. I right. mean, they've been saying that since the walkout. It's bananas. Also, OEA this week said their their agenda, their ask is for 400 million more in in education funding. I think some in a pay raise, but also mostly in classroom funding. And and of course, they've had to say like, you know, anything up to and including a walkout is still on the table. Right. I don't. There, it's not. I'm. I I, I can't imagine. So UA, right. I think that would. Which is tough, right? Like, because if it comes to this, like, game of brinksmanship where they've got to try to call each other's bluff. Right. Like, let's just do the right thing. Clearly, most everyone wants to fund education. Right.
1: Ask the teachers where they want the money. And the teachers
0: are saying they want the money in the classrooms. Right. Right? So, I mean. And $400 is a lot of money, but it's not so much that we couldn't move some things around right i'm not saying cut i mean it's we're we're not where we need to be but i think we are close enough that we could like feasibly look at some options
1: right well and the the thing the thing that the thing i don't get is that i mean it just to me this all this talk about more and more raises and we're going to make oklahoma number one in teacher pay I don't think that that I mean I think that's great. Like sure, like make us number 1 in the region in teacher pay. I think I think that is a fantastic goal. I don't think that that is enough and I don't know that's that is not it's, the right metric. And I, well and I don't know that it's even I don't know that it is either necessary, but I feel com- confident that it is also not sufficient, right? I think if you ask the teachers, many teachers would say I'm going to take less money but I want to work in a place where I have the resources to do my job well rather than be paid a lot more money But the resources to do the job for which I'm being paid be completely inadequate, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's a lot of push about, like, uh, talking about rural access to healthcare and why, you know, why don't we have specialists out in rural counties? Why don't we have primary care out in rural counties? Then, you know, like, we offer all these incentives to doctors, to nurse practitioners, to PAs to go out there. And many of the reasons that people don't go out there is because it's like... All the other reasons. (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, it's so... It's like, yeah, I mean, people can go out there and get paid really, really well, but also not have the resources to, mm-hmm. I to mean, do we, their job. people we'll right? Or
0: like, why don't we have doctors in rural areas? I always say, why don't you live in rural areas? Right. I mean, it's that's the like, same reason.
1: Yeah. So, so I just, I wish we were hearing more about, I wish we were hearing more about putting more money into classrooms, either in addition to a teacher pay raise, or I don't want to say in lieu of, cause that makes it sound like I'm not in favor of paying teachers more. And I am, but I feel like we should be doing both or like it should be balanced if that makes sense yeah the other thing i want to say about this you don't get to cut like you don't get to cut a billion dollars from education over the last 10 years and then have the public like come to this massive outcry have fifty thousand teachers walk out and like with a with a metaphorical gun pointed to your head give the billion dollars back and then be like Okay, well we just made this huge investment.
0: <laughs> let's call it even
1: no you like no we haven't made an investment since 2009. Right. We are now near 2009 funding
0: levels for education. We haven't made an investment in 10 years if you didn't if you robbed the bank and then paid them back you didn't you didn't make a deposit you just paid them back right, right. so
1: that was I appreciate that the that the, uh, the Senate leadership is making explicit that they are not going to cut education further but let's just. You know, Mm -hmm. though we made this huge investment in public education, just stop it.
0: Yeah, so I'm curious. I think on Monday we're going to hear Governor Stitt probably call for a teacher pay raise in his State of the State address. I think you're right. Um, And I get. I mean, I I feel like the Senate's probably hedging on this, but to have the House and the Governor in agreement, that's something new we haven't had Uh, for a few years, right? (laughs) Um, And then certainly the Democrats, I think in both both chambers, just want more money for education. Like they want. They haven't necessarily said how, but they've just said more money. So. Yeah, that's, you know, that's uh, an observation I just made ding right now. And that's light bulb. Yeah, I don't have a light bulb sound effect. I should get one. But that I've heard a lot of talk about what money should go to and not much talk yet about where this money will come from, right? Like we haven't really discussed because <laughs> there's not going to be any more. <laughs> right. But that's exactly right. But I mean, in the last few years, it's a lot about like raising the fuel tax or cigarette tax. And even that was tossed around for a yeah. while. Um, looking at, I haven't even heard anyone really say, like, we're going to really clamp down on swag and government right. overspending. Well, because like, now they've realized there's not any, right?
1: Right. Like, but there's, there's, yeah, but I mean, not the, even the Democrats. The jig, the jig is up in terms of cracking down on waste, fraud, and abuse, right? Like, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, but in terms of more revenue, like at Oak, the OK Policy Budget Summit, not last week, but the week before. Uh, Senator Thompson was there, the Senate Appropriations mm-hmm. uh, Chair, and he said, "Yeah, we did real did good last week or last year trying to, you know, House Bill ten ten xx got some taxes raised, got some revenue coming in. Don't think there's going to be much of an appetite in the legislature this <laughs> right. year for uh, further tax increases,
0: <laughs> which is which is likely true. However, we don't know because there's a bunch of freshmen up there who might be willing to say, hey, like, let 'Hey, let's uh, let's curb some of these tax credits.'" uh i mean yeah that that, that, that can does happen. not
1: require a three-quarter majority it does require th- it does require leadership willing to hear the bill
0: yes <laughs> point well taken indeed and that may be the stop gap right there right <laughs> right i'm just saying <laughs> scott with the softball answer There, <laughs> ah yes um so uh let's move on to another area of some agreement and that is that healthcare seems to be the other issue that's a hot-button topic, right? And arguably, there seems to be some agreement that we should expand Medicaid. Which is striking. Bananas. Because Governor B-A-N-A-N-A-N-A-S. Stitt explicitly...
1: It's inter, it's interesting because, you know, the Dems have explicitly called for expan, uh, Medicaid expansion. Several Republicans have actually explicitly called for Medicaid expansion. Yeah. Um, several more senior Republicans have said that they're open to it. Mm-hmm. Governor Stitt ran on a platform of not expanding Medicaid. Like, we don't need to be adding more people to Medicaid... But now, but he's like, let's get all the federal dollars we can, right? Get all the federal dollars we can, and he's saying we could be open to like some form of like what I think is going to happen is they're they're going to expand Medicaid, but they're going to make sure they do everything they can not to call it Medicaid expansion. We're going to fine. We're going to expand into Oklahoma, like we're going to expand whatever. Totally right, but like it's just funny to me that like okay now that anyway it's yeah Yeah. no here
0: here's the shift that I've seen right is that um we went from we can't expand Medicaid and that we are a populist state and we don't want that federal overreach, right? Um, it's a brilliant shift in paradigm or like in framing to say it's, we're not, it's not government overreach. It is, it it is accepting, it is bringing home federal investment dollars into our state that we have paid, that we have paid, but it's the same money, right? The same purpose. But I think this is a, that if nothing else, I don't know if it's Lieutenant, uh, governor Pennell and his, uh, branding title, or if it's Stitt and his business acumen, but I think I will say in my opinion, it is a brilliant shift to, to reframe this from, we're not, we're not, uh, suckling on the government teat, if I can say that. <laughs> um, but we are accepting federal investment in our state. That is a great way to frame it where you get to do the same thing in the and to win over people who would see it differently. I You're not wrong.
1: I would say Thank that if, 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 uh, if any members of the House Democratic Caucus for the last eight years were here, their heads would all explode. Well, that's, <laughs> that's exactly right.
0: And here's what I think is happening. This is, um, this is what I was alluding to earlier. I feel like um, many of the policies that are being championed by Republicans this year are policies that have been solely championed by Democrats in years past. And th- this year the Republicans are like, hey, we're for this now. And maybe they uh, framed it a little bit differently. Um, but they, um, they've they decided, you're just banging that whiskey bottle around. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's been rough. It's been existential dread. There we are again. Um, but I think that the the... The Democrats are like we're for these things for years and then this year the Republicans are like we're we're for them too but they said it first and now the Democrats by habit feel that like they should be against what the Republicans say but they can't be because it's the things that they like and now the Democrats are kind of stuck where they don't I've not felt like the Democrats have a cohesive platform this year or agenda aside uh, I, from more money for education.
1: I think I I think that's yeah, I think that's a really interesting and um, <laughs> that is a shrewd observation.
0: To uh, me it's like on Tom and Jerry. Yeah. went Which I know is a racist cartoon but um there were episodes where like Tom is chasing Jerry right around and around and around and then at some point Jerry like turned around and started chasing Tom and then they were going around and around and around and it like then Tom realized like he's being chased and that's kind of what happened where it's like they were running one way and The other side turned and they're going back and they're like, oh, oh, dang it. What? Now what
1: what do we do? Were you a, uh, were you a friend, a friend's watcher? Oh, very much. So this reminds me of the episode where uh, Rachel or uh, Phoebe is taking uh, English literature at the community college at the new school. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rachel says she'll take the class too. And so Rachel shows up late to class and she hasn't read the book, which is Wuthering Heights. And Phoebe's like. You ever read the book? And she's like, No, I didn't have time or something. And but tell me what's about. And Phoebe gives her a synopsis and says, I really think that the, you know, the moors, which are like one of the settings, mm-hmm. symbolize something about uh, Heathcliff's character. And then the professor calls on uh, Rachel and asks her what she thinks of the symbolism of the book. And she gives some kind of like word, you know. Right. Uh, a regurgitation of what phoebe has just said the professor's like what well, rachel has shrewdly observed here <laughs> and Rachel's like i never i never do well in school and phoebe's pissed uh that's what it, that's what i that's what that makes me think of and i think i think that's a really that's an interesting an interesting observation i wonder how much the change in the republican caucus mm-hmm. has to do with this right like i wonder I wonder: Are these things things like finding some way to expand sooner care? You know, some of these other reforms are these things that have had near majority support in the Republican caucus for the last few years, but politically it's not tenable because you had like platform caucus members, right? Right. You know, what I mean, Or like because platform? I mean, I, I I don't know. This is this is speculative, but it is interesting to see, like with Medicaid expansion. I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe we're being too uh, being too uh, Machiavellian about this. Maybe Medicaid expansion is just like the fact that they see healthcare outcomes in Oklahoma. They see that there's public outcry for it, and it's 900 million dollars of our money that's available in Washington, and we're not taking it out of principle. That's right.
0: That's I bleeping stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, something else is that. Whatever optimism we have about this stuff now, let's also bear in mind that politics are at play, right? Oh, yeah. And it's one thing to say you want to do something, and it is something entirely different to do it, right? Well, we just couldn't find the votes. Right, yeah. We we really wanted to, but some (laughs) people. We just couldn't find the votes. And the other thing is that there will be bills that aren't run that leadership might say we didn't run it because we didn't have the votes, and I will tell you that we don't know until you run it, right? Right. People don't want to vote for things. And also it's still early. Lobbyists haven't got out there and started pushing for this stuff.
1: It is. And you're right. You you don't you don't know that you have the votes until you run the bill, but I also this is actually an area that I sympathize. I sympathize with leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Because a whole lot of this, right, like a whole lot of legislative power for the leaders. They certainly have their they have their actual power, right? Their ability to right. assign committees and assign committee chairs, you know, to control the floor agenda. They certainly have the when to call votes, when not to call votes. They have the kind of hard power, I guess that you would say. Mm-hmm. But they also have I think they rely even more on their soft power, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Even more on the ability to talk to members and say, You need to be with me because I got all these other folks that are with me right. too. Right. And to put,
0: you know And they're the ones that could be the fall guy. Right. Well right and if you put a you put a vote out there,
1: you know, I, I heard who was it? It was like it was some like legendary federal legislator. Letter. Maybe Tip O'Neill, maybe it was uh who maybe named it was a uh, kid tip. Somebody. Maybe it was it what was the name? The hammer, Tom Delay. I don't, know, I don't know who it was, but it was somebody that was like In, you, MC. No, no. You never call a vote. Like you never call a vote. Unless you get the votes. That you well, that you don't know the outcome. Yeah. Right. Right. Like right, maybe right. you're gonna lose the vote and you're okay with losing the vote strategically. Right. Maybe you're gonna win the vote and you wanna win the vote strategically. Yeah. But you but never yeah, yeah. call a vote when you don't already know how it's gonna go. Right. Right. That looks uh, bad on you and whoever those swing votes are. Right. And so I kind of sympathize with leadership when, you know, maybe you need fifty one and you know you got forty
0: nine, but you don't know those other two. Right. You know, like you don't know. Right. Um, we're both fans of the West Wing. We've seen this happen. That's true. On television. Um, so two other quick things. One is an area that I, I put in the category of some agreement. Um, and it It's um, basically con- what they will call constitutional carry, right? Allowing people to carry firearms without licenses in more places, basically. And I think there is some agreement because at the OKC chamber – um, thing of the day everyone's like listen it's Oklahoma we're all fine people having guns and we and is like we don't want guns in ho- high profile arenas right like everyone's like made clear to say we think that we should keep guns out of the Chesapeake arena basically like and other places we don't need guns in schools we don't you know like we don't need guns this stuff I've, I've a dumb
1: question how is that different than now right 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 they are. I would. They're s- just eliminating their requirement that if you want to carry a concealed, because you still would have to have a permit to carry a concealed weapon, right? Or no? Was, this would eliminate that.
0: I I think the constitutional carry is that there's Cause, no because we
1: have open carry now, right? Like right. anybody who wants to can just strap a gun on and carry it around. I thought you'd have a license for it. I don't think so. Really? I don't think so.
0: I don't know. I don't, I don't have a gun. Could be wrong. So I think like I think what they're what they're moving towards is basically. Here's what I think we'll see is a law that would allow anyone ages 18 and up, I think to carry a gun around, um, with or without a license concealed or unconcealed, just, you can have a gun, whatever. If you're an adult, um, except in on private property where it's explicitly not permitted, like in, um, you know, a concert hall, Chesapeake, on a school campus, those kind of places. How, about, how about in the Oklahoma Capitol? Um, I'm, I'm sure they will say that's not okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Even not though a, I know that there are legislators that do a, carry. Not in the gallery? Right, not in the gallery. I'm sure they will. There's a metal detector getting in the building there that people send to walk around, I hear. So I think, um, but I think that's, I think that's what we'll see. And I think, so I think that and... Do you like
1: living in Tombstone? <laughs>
0: I'm your Huckleberry. Golly, I haven't man. watched that in a minute. Tombstone Dodge City. Yeah, you gonna do something about it? Or you're just
1: gonna stand there and bleed. <laughs> or that's uh, see if he, see if you get in that it. smoke wagon and do some work. Different movie. What 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 was this one? What you gonna do, son? You gonna pull them guns or whistle Dixie?
0: Oh, uh, what? I don't know.
1: It's the outlaw of Josie Wales. Really? Oh yeah.
0: I've not. Did you watch? Spent, uh, huh, you gonna pull
1: them guns or whistle Dixie? That's, cool. That's the best Clint one I can do. It's not very good.
0: No, it wasn't. But <laughs> <laughs> not, I, I don't do impressions. No, but the uh the Kurt Russell there when he goes into Billy Bob Thornton and gets after him when he's at the poker table. That whole scene is just such a great scene. Uh, it's a great movie. Did you watch uh um oh what's that Netflix special, Godless? With uh it's like a miniseries?
1: No. What is the
0: what is it? Oh, film? with uh um Jeff Daniels? The western about the it's a town like a mining town where all the men died in a mining accident and it's almost only women left, and there and Jeff Daniels is this like outlaw villain and he's coming after one of his guys. It's like a seven part miniseries. If you haven't watched it, man, you really need to. It's an excellent western, really well written. Jeff Daniels plays a one armed bad guy, and so he acted the entire series with his arm tied behind his back. Dang, he's a he's a beast. It's I mean it is really honestly I am thinking about watching it again. It was so good. It was really great.
1: I uh, I really enjoyed the classic western. Um, I watched many, many, many a uh, John Wayne yeah, film when yeah. I was uh, when I was a youngster. Loved them all, and now I'm really sad because looking back, I think that many of them were probably quite racist.
0: Oh, indeed, yes, and sexist for certainly.
1: Uh, and uh, makes me makes me sad.
0: There's uh, the end of one of them, um, the Sons of Katie Elder, or one of them where he like. Oh yeah. Pulls her down at the end and is like giving her a spanking. Like that's uh, that's not <laughs> sons of Kitty Elder. That is McClintock. McClintock yes, that's McClintock, right. Which is arguably <laughs> the best one, one. of my yes, th-
1: favorite movies of all time.
0: <laughs> when I was in college, I uh, had a roommate that was a few years older than me, and he um, he he played. Uh, we had a, a, a picture of um, John Wayne over the mantle in our house. The Duke, man. It was the, the Duke.
1: The Duke. Um, he was. He was. I think remarkable how did we how this did we is get a, how did we get off
0: guns man oh that's right this is a far cry from last week's episode where we discussed <laughs> lifetime movies. <laughs> lifetime movies and the young and the restless that's right <laughs> or the um, days of our lives Day, daytime soaps. <laughs> that's right yeah um, so I think uh, well my point I was gonna make before we got off on Josie Wales was that constitutional carry and expanding the governor's powers to hire and fire agency heads which I think is In my opinion, fine, okay. I think it's better than fine. I think it's a good idea. And I think if the Democrats were in power, they would have done the same thing. 100% agree. I think they're against it because they're not in power. Totally agree. I get it. Totally. Here's here's my, to prove my point from a minute ago that the Democrats don't have a well-articulated platform or agenda this year, since that's the theme of the episode, Scott, aside from opposing constitutional carry and opposing expanding the governor's power... And so they're against those two things and they're for more money for education. What else? Criminal justice reform. Yeah, but they're the Republicans very- are too. Oh you want to know like what they're
1: like what they're uniquely
0: for? This is my point, is they have nothing that they are unique about. They're ju- they're they're floundering. They don't have a cause to really like tie themselves
1: to. Um, I think that there I think there are things that I mean, I can point to individual bills they're running, things like equal pay, things like outlawing conversion therapy, increased access to mental health. But I think you're right. There's not a signature. There's not a signature issue. I think their signature issue is going to be Medicaid expansion. And I don't think they expected that the uh, governor. I don't, right. I think they expected that the governor and Republican leadership would be open to
0: it. I'm saying they stole their thunder. It's well played. <laughs> I uh, Just like us in Seattle, I think. <laughs> that was that was bad.
1: <laughs> I mean, that was bad even for us.
0: Yeah. I um Scott, you sent me a link a day ago and I'm trying to get it to send to my iPad here. What is this a is this a movie quote? Yes, it's a movie quote. I bet there's gonna be a commercial first though. Oh that'll be sad. Hang on. Anyway, so I but I think the point is that's I think that's the that's it. Like the Democrats platform is Republicans platform with like three tiny tweaks. Do you think this is a rebuilding year for the Democrats? I mean,
1: I think it's been a rebuilding year for several years for the for the Democrats since roughly 2010.
0: Okay, that's fair. Um, all right. Well, any, is it gonna play? Is it gonna play? Yeah, I've got it right now. Oh, here we go. Why you gonna pull those pistols and whistle Dixie? There's a lot of people staring at each other. Spoiler alert. He pulled those pistols. He did. It did not end well. And it did not end well. Yeah. No, I think uh, it's
1: our first murder on the podcast. That's right. I think. Um, I think. Yeah. I think this. I think that this is shaping up to be largely. You know, we've. I've made jokes about. You know, migraines and existential crises. And I think this is honestly shaping up to be a largely drama-free session. I think that. I think it will be. I think that for several reasons. One, you're, there's not a whole lot of just major disagreement. I mean, you know, I think. If you're, I was gonna say this is a signature issue for the Democrats I would say there's probably income, income tax reform they'd like to see income tax re- taxes go up and they'd see GPT go back up to seven but I mean they're not I don't think they're talking about it because they know it's not gonna happen like right there's, there's right no, there's no chance right um I think you'll see them talk about state question 640 trying to repeal state question 640 take legislative action to do that put it to a vote of the people mm-hmm. again I don't know that that's gonna happen I think that's prob- that's certainly more likely than actual taxes being raised but mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen and so aside from those things right like the Republicans Are doing some. They're you know they're saying they're not going to cut education. They're not looking to cut other agencies' funding. They have more money to spend, so they see no reason to raise taxes. They have big enough majorities in both houses that can kind of do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. So, I think the Democrats, you know, unfortunately for them, are kind of relegated to trying to influence policy that's going to pass rather than stop things as they've been wanting to do in the last few years. I think they've seen there. I think they've, I think that they are having to go through a little bit of a transition from being an opposition party who has the power to stop things to being a minority party who, if they want to have a seat at the table to influence legislation has to strike maybe a little bit different tone.
0: Hey, and you know what? Maybe both sides will get along and we can really get some stuff done this year. Wouldn't that be splendid? What if we had no fights? I mean, it wouldn't be very exciting, but in, uh, it wouldn't be very entertaining, but it could be very exciting for the state. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap up with three quick announcements, three reminders. Uh, for one, this coming Monday, February 4th, is the State of the State and the um, re- the resuming of the legislative session. Governor Stitt will deliver his first State of the State address around noon Central Standard Time. Scott, I will be there at the Capitol. Um, and next week's episode, I imagine, will focus largely on... What he says during his speech, yes we're not gonna break it down line by line because it's too long for that, but I think um, we will try to get some uh, additional voices in here. maybe he's a man of few words. I maybe, but I imagine it's gonna be 20 30 minutes. It's his first one. it's a big deal. that's true. So we'll uh we'll go from there. we'll get some uh, some additional voices in here to break it down and and get some feedback on that then on February and then we're off to the races. I mean, this is it. It's game time again. Um, So the following weekend, February 10th, uh, that Sunday, is our first West Wing watch party at the Tower Theater. Go online to uh, letsfixthisok.org. Get your tickets. They're free, but just get them. better be there. That's at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Watching 20 Hours in America. 20 Hours in America. I ran into County Commissioner Carrie Blumert yesterday at the OKC Chamber. Uh, event and she said she watched that episode, the first part, the other night in preparation. Oh, for real? She's yeah. coming. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then um, a couple weeks after that, on Thursday, February twenty first, will be our first Capital Day at the Capitol at nine o'clock in Room two fifty two. Again, that information is on our website, uh, Let's Fix This Okay and our Facebook page, facebook.com dot slash Let's Fix This Okay. Also, uh, if you happen to follow us on social media today, you probably saw that we uh, released a new t-shirt, I'm a Fixer. Uh, I grew up loving Dr. Pepper, and uh, this is a a gentle nod to the I'm a Pepper t-shirts of my youth. Um, Love Dr. Pepper. Also, if you'd like to actually be a fixer, in addition to the t-shirt, please go to the website and become a member. It's a new thing we've got, a new member membership thing i am ordering membership cards tonight um, very excited you will get a membership card in the mail as well as a lapel pin and maybe a sticker to uh show that you support let's fix this and and what we're doing here we have some big goals for this year all right on that note that brings us to the end of the episode Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Pod This on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends all about it. Helps folks discover the podcast and become better informed. Remember, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Fix This Okay. Scott is at SC Melson. I, Andy, am at AndyOKC. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Let's Fix This Okay. Our website is let'sfixthisok.org. Sign up for our newsletter, read the blog, check out other resources out there, and read the details about those upcoming events and some others. We also added some bill deadlines to the calendar. Our podcast is edited and produced by Scott and me, and Let's Pod This as a member of the Mostly Harmless Media Network based right here in Oklahoma City. Our theme music is provided by the Sugar-Free All-Stars. Let's fix this as a nonpartisan nonprofit organization who strives to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage with their government. We encourage you to get involved any way you can, and remember, decisions are made by those who show up. Have a great week.